morning and welcome to the Garage Retort. My name is Dan O'Brien. I'm in the studio with Eric Flair, Danny Macias. That was the Yoga. grudge retort, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes. my, my tongue's a little tied today. Is that what that is? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems, seems like the uh, the federal government is starting to mess with our signal in the beginning. Yeah, you know, what's that? going on there? Yeah, they're starting to, they, they don't want us to get the news out. That's right. They, they put some buoys out on the garbage patch with <laughs> got some, some, some kind of an interference buoy or something. So. We'll, s- we'll send out our team of dolphins to go. I was going to say out. it's whale season. It could be the whales swimming by that are disrupting the signal a little bit. That's still those, yeah. those darn whales. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Disruptive whales. All right. So is everyone still alive? Is everyone o- doing okay? The sun came out this the, morning. The sun came Somebody out. took my guns away. <laughs> <laughs> my guns are gone. The guns man. are gone, man. Yeah, I have someone <laughs> escorting me into the restroom every time I have to go. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> They're just making sure everything's all right. Okay. okay. It's for your own safety. Yeah. Just keep telling yourself that's that. That's right. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I got to keep my birth certificate with me. Yeah, so it's scary. Yeah, for the first time in like 100 <laughs> years, I saw a No Irish Allowed uh, <laughs> uh, poster somewhere. So there you go. Uh-oh. We're, we're regressing. Really? It couldn't have been a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Wait It'd be a minute. out of business. That's, that's stereotypical. <laughs> All right, but it fits. So I'm Irish, okay. so it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Portly Irish. Portly Irish myself. Yeah. And Amish, too. Um <laughs> Speaking so, of tongue twisted, yeah. What what do we got going on today? So I just wanted to play this little soundbite from Carrie Wedler. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's go. She's a somewhat of a reporter. Okay. Bombing in Syria and Afghanistan, Great. and you want the bombing and the killing to stop. Many Trump supporters might not fully understand the concept of blowback, but considering you view yourselves as so rational and sane, take it for what it is. You allowed this to happen while you kicked your feet up, put flowers in your hair, and pretended Obama was a savior and stopped paying attention. Then there's economic hardship, which drove working class Americans to desperation and drove immigrants from south of the border, also in desperation, to the United States looking for opportunities. And guess what? Hillary contributed to both of these issues. We all know she's a war hawk. Iraq, Libya, Syria, and her fervent support of drones much. And she has long advocated top-down trade agreements. And had she won, you would have continued to ignore all of this because your party was in power, and you would have continued to wonder why the Trump crowd was so upset. You and the media mocked them and condescended to them and thought of every reason they supported him than the glaring truth. Decades of unjust authority and not being heard. Even if not all of them fully understand the reasons behind terror attacks and immigration, they know something is wrong. But that's neither here nor there, because Donald Trump will be president. Now you're horrified by all the awful things Trump could do, and you probably aren't even aware of all the precedents Obama set for Donald Trump to seize more power once he's in office. The caging of whistleblowers and journalists, the killing of American citizens, and the legalization of their indefinite detention without trial. Unaware of these things? Then maybe you shouldn't have been voting and jamming your political beliefs down our throats. And though Trump isn't going to save us and is going to abuse power in his own way, there's a reason the symbol of the establishment lost. And you have no one to blame but yourselves. If you're angry and sad, channel that palpable feeling into real compassion and tolerance. Try to understand how half the country would have felt if a corrupt, lying warmonger had gotten into power. Doesn't feel very good, does it? Maybe it's time to question the system that allows millions of people to dominate millions of other people with the flick of a pen. So I'm really looking forward to your renewed active engagement now that someone other than a Democrat will be president, because maybe we can use it to bring some actual peace and accountability to this country. Welcome back to the resistance, bitches. All right. Dang. So there you go. 
That's and you can see the whole video. That's the half of the video that we have. It's posted on the Grudge Retort Facebook page. Oh, cool. So yeah. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, everything she said seems uh, pretty accurate. I mean, legit. It, it, yeah, it seems like this w- was this posted uh, a while ago, like before the election. No, after the election. Oh, it was after. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, because yeah. it specifically talks about Trump being the president now. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was after. Yeah, I, I think uh, she's spot on as far as uh, her assessment of the uh, the liberal side of the political spectrum. Yeah, I think she's right. I think when we, we called it a long time ago here on The Grudge that we said if Hillary runs against Donald Trump, then, you know, that she's probably going to lose. And then, and then we said, you know what, if it's Hillary versus Trump, this is during the primary, we said... Or well, at least I, I said, I don't know if you guys agreed with me at the time, but I said, hey, I said, I'd rather have four years of Trump than eight years of Hillary. And yeah. that's, that's because eight years of Hillary it's, would have been kicking the can down the road. Ev- and everyone just stays asleep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yep. we have Democrats pushing for the TPP, you know, and no, and no one does anything about it because it's their party in charge. Yeah. It yep. doesn't make sense. And you, know, I, and you know, another thing about politics, have you noticed that, I mean, if you go back, you know, into the 80s or whatever, and you start thinking about politics, politics was thought of as... We need to fix the country f- so that 20 years from now everything's going to be better. And now it's like we need to fix the country so next month it's going to be better. Yeah. So if people are in- – instead of thinking of the interests of the whole country as a whole moving down the road, people are looking at, at hey, you know, we need stuff to happen now, which I get the idea we need to have stuff to happen now. But what they're doing is it for selfish, selfish interests. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, well, you know, I, I need my things now. I don't care what happens to the environment down 20 years. I want this oil pipeline to go now, just as an example. Right. You know, Ugh. Pretty scary. So we, we need to think down the road here. And down the road here really is we need, to, we need Donald Trump to be a four-year president. And we need to think of putting in more progressives across the board. We need to, you know, do you know how many seats that Congress lost from the how many how many Democratic seats were lost? No, I in the I, last eight years. Uh, it's been a lot. It's Can you been guess? A lot. Uh, uh, let's see. They had the majority for a while with Nancy yeah. Pelosi, and yeah. I think they lost over a hundred seats. Sixty. Sixty total seats, and I think there's like fourteen governorships. The Democrats have lost. So that means that Republicans took over those 60 seats and Republicans took over those 14 governorships. That's absolutely right. I mean, the the obsession that Democrats have with with presidential politics is almost an embarrassment because they they uh, focus on that to the exclusion of everything else, the local races, the statewide races, things like that. And it's so important, uh, uh, maybe symbolically, for them to elect the right president, quote unquote, uh, that they forget about all these other governorships mm-hmm. and uh, state senators and Congress and state legislatures that are now under Republican control. And it happened during the Bush years. That's the, that's where it all started. When you think about it, they were so anti-Bush. They blamed Bush for everything. The wind could blow the wrong direction. It was Bush's fault. Yeah, I know? remember. And so what happened is, is when when they were trying to put in other candidates, then suddenly it's like, well, you know, we're only focused on the president. So all the all the lesser, uh, you know, the, the governorships and Congress positions and senators and everything else, those were not not important. Yeah. And, and I, so they blew it. So Republicans took advantage of that. Remember yeah. when the Republicans were saying, oh, they we got totally spanked. Yeah, and and we they didn't take advantage of that. They should have kept going. Yeah, the the there was a great article about the concerted effort on the Republican side to start filling uh, school boards with conservatives, right. state yes. legislatures with conservatives. Smart and then move. Next thing you know, when the census comes out, 
all those state legislatures start redrawing uh, maps, uh, congressional maps, and it leads to gerrymandering, and now they've got safe uh, congressional majorities uh, for the next 10 years. Yeah. So they played the long game. Yeah, the long game is the better game. Yeah, Demo- it's, it's Democrats. It's the one you can win. Yeah. The short game, it's 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 a t- coin toss. Yeah, the 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 president winning the presidency is a, is uh, symbolic in a lot of ways. I mean, the president is a very powerful person, but they can't do anything without a cooperative Congress, mm-hmm. right? Or they they can't get anything done if the states are battling them every right. step of the way, and that has that's what's happened. Well, think about it. Think think about what's more important. What is more important, Congress or the presidency? Who has more power? I think Congress does. Congress does. Yeah. Yeah. McConnell would yeah. uh, McConnell would probably agree. Yeah. Well, think yeah. about <laughs> it. The, what is the president? What is what, if the if Congress gets together and decides to pass a law that changes something dramatically in the country what can the president do to stop that he can veto it and how do the con- congress counter that they vote again they have to go two thirds and so if yeah. you have a two-thirds yeah. majority of people who agree then the president is irrelevant yeah and it's getting to that point right. you know right. it's getting to that point in the in the congressional map right. uh, with a lot more republicans picking up seats and picking up uh, senate Senate ships, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, that they, they have focused uh, like a laser beam on this kind of stuff. Republicans have for years, and it's paying off. Right. You know, and and I think Democrats, it seems like they've learned nothing about no. focusing exclusively on um, on the presidency uh, to the exclusion of everything else. Hopefully, Obama will change that because he is looking at redistricting and local races. Mm-hmm. That's what he has pledged he's going to be focusing on after he leaves office is more the statewide races, the local mm-hmm. races, school boards, you know, right. getting Democrats and progressives into those positions and fighting back from the grassroots level. I heard one reporter saying that that's what you can do, take the anger that you're feeling right now and protesting and then go run for school board. Yeah. Basically, if that's what you can do at this point. And that's what Bernie yeah. Sanders did. Yeah, he said that after, earlier on. Yeah, yeah after yeah. he left the yep. race as well, that was his efforts, local efforts. Um, I think it's a good approach. I don't know. I mean, they should have been doing this a long time ago, um, but you know, they they thought the presidency was more important than anything else. But which is just a figurehead. It's yeah, not even it serious. Yeah, know? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's the, just a figurehead. The president has limited powers. He can only do what Congress approves. So right. how long would it take to flip Congress? Then does it, it take? Ten years? Does it take that long? Well, they're looking at um, uh, preparing for the 2020 census. Uh, So what the Republicans did in the 2010 census is around 2006, 2007, they started to win over the state legislatures and the local school board kind of offices and, and, you know, regional county offices, things like that. Uh, so when the census came around, they were in a position to take advantage of it because they won all these local and statewide seats. Uh, once they had control of the state legislature, then they redrew the districting maps however they wanted. Yeah. Uh, so Obama's trying to do the same thing. He's starting now uh, in preparation for 2020. Right. Okay. Um, well, we do have the 2018. We can get started with some of the uh, congressional positions that are opening up in 2018. 2020, and then just keep going. Every election matters. Yeah. You know, if you if you're gonna if you think this is an important thing and you think you can somehow, you know, vote and it matters and you think it counts, you should go and try to do those elections, all of them. Yeah. Like all the all the any election at any level. If you if you think your vote's gonna count, go do it. 
And it, it's really a stunning reversal from where we were a month ago when the Democrats were expected to win the Senate and maybe even the House. And you know, fast forward it to today, be a landslide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Fast forward today, where it's the exact opposite. And for me, Democrats have a lot of work to do to uh, reestablish themselves as the progressive party that is for working people, uh, for a higher minimum wage, like those basic things. If they don't address those issues uh, strongly and forcefully, then I can't guarantee that I'm going to back anybody in 2018. No, you know. But see, right. that's the thing. I, I don't know if we can trust the Democrats to do that. I don't know. If, I don't know if the the DNC is ever going to change from its corporate positions because that's where they get all their money. Yeah, it's a one-stop shop. You right. Know? And yeah. so, in other words, I, I've seen lots of people who are taking on the whole concept that Bernie brought into the brought to the forefront uh, of progressivism, and I don't see the Democrats doing that. I, I see some Democrats doing that, Democrat members. But as far as the party itself, I I don't I I never actually can visualize. I've tried many many times to figure out. You know, is it possible to fix from within? Is it possible for them to take on these platforms? And no, because they're into their whole entire job, uh, which is to represent corporations. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've proved for the last 40 years. The Democrats have not done a significant thing for the people. And you can just look in the history to figure that out. I mean, you know, for example, everybody goes, well, Obamacare. Well, Obamacare benefited, benefits corporations more than people. Period. Yeah. And if you don't know, look it up. Google it. Do your own research. You don't have to believe me. Just look it up. But so, in other words, in the last 40 years, the only thing that any either the Democrats or the Republicans have done has they the only thing they can claim is oh well Obamacare and that just doesn't work. Sorry. So if you think that you can fix the Democratic Party from within, that's up to you. Good luck to you. Uh, but maybe what we need is a third party that's a progressive party that's not libertarian or Republican or Democrat and that people can uh, latch on to between now and 2018 or, or, or 2020 or 2024, whatever it takes. But this, the Democrats, I just don't think they can do it. Their heart isn't in it. Their interest isn't in it. The way that they vote isn't in it. The, the people who are in it now aren't in it. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Well, plus, I think Obama, I read a piece of saying that Obamacare was upsetting people that are barely making it because the people that aren't making it have to be paid for by them. Yeah. Right. So it's, right. caus- it's causing a lot of anger in people that it's supposed to be helping out. Yeah. Right? That's a really good point because what it's not doing is it's not actually taking money from the people who have plenty of it. Right. It's taking from the people who barely are making it and making them – be worse off than, right. than the people who they're trying to benefit. Yeah. And, it's, and, and then you let corporations go without paying taxes. Like, well, there's your money. Yeah. You know, right. that's, that, that eases the pain. But, of course, we can't do that because the way the Democratic Party is set up right now, we just don't do that. Right. And just to give you a really, little, little example, we had a, uh, somebody that we know that um, they were paying about $300 a month for their health care insurance, and their health care insurance went up to 1250 That's a $900 increase. So, and this person has a, a small business here on Maui, and uh, um, uh, not on the garbage patch. Oh, okay. But n- nearby. <laughs> oh, okay. On and, land. Uh, on yes, land. On okay. the land. On Ooh, land. wow. And um, and <laughs> so the, the the interesting thing was that nine hundred dollar increase. If you would equate that person's dollars to, let's say, for example, Donald Trump, that means Donald Trump would be paying nine hundred million dollars more yeah. every month 
You know, I'm just giving you a rough example. Yeah, right. yeah, the numbers uh, were, yeah but, you take the same exponent yeah. and you apply it to Trump. And but you that's get, just not happening. No. You know? And so that's the problem I'm having with it is is that if if you're supposed to equate this kind of math or come up with some kind of a fuzzy math that's going to come up with, okay, let's help the majority of people as best we can, you you can't charge – like if you've got 10 t- different classifications of people at different income levels, you, you don't take the – bottom four and make them pay for the bo- for the very bottom one yeah what you do is you take from the start from the top and work your way down yeah the people at the top who you know they clear a trillion dollars a year in gross revenue those people need need to start paying more that's the where it starts or or any or something <laughs> yeah. or any something, some right. yeah some would be good <laughs> is obamacare uh in your estimation one of the reasons why uh, hillary clinton lost the election Th- those big increases that happened absolutely. right before the election absolutely because th- that was their mantra was well, re- the republicans were saying well we repeal obamacare so a lot of people who disagree with every other thing decided to vote for Trump because of that reason. Yeah. And the timing of it was almost like Trump couldn't have asked for better timing. Those yeah, letters started true. to go out with those increases in the rates. That's right. Yeah, that's interesting that that happened. It's, what a coincidence. Well, anecdotally, I mean, you know, we, we live in a very liberal state here as far as voting history goes. Yeah, we're, we're, we're within international waters of that state. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. That's uh, why we have that living wage. and Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. That's why we have all those great uh, uh-huh. progressive uh, uh, practices oh, that are yeah. happening here. Oh, wait a minute. We well, don't. Yeah. It's Probably just, just to interject real quick. The reason why I mean, everybody accuses Hawaii of being a completely progressive state, and it's really not. What's really we have is we have Democrats in name only. There's a lot of people that are in that are in that are Democrats in Hawaii that aren't real Democrats, and that even in people who are actually in um, in the state legislature, there's a lot of them that just don't get it. That um, that they they just are running because they get a paycheck every month and and that they they just want to you know kowtow to corporate interests and so they figured out a way to pretend like they're a Democrat or pretend like they're progressive yeah. let's just, or pretend liberal whatever you want to say well, yeah I mean yeah we're in a state where if you don't have a D next to your name you might yeah as well you're not going to elected yeah. yeah in fact so, right now we are the only state with a completely Democratic Senate mm-hmm. but so the the problem a lot, of, a lot of good that does us right it doesn't <laughs> done anything right. so you would think that if we had this so-called liberal bastion of of America here in the state of Hawaii, that we would have a $15 minimum wage, but we don't have that. Yeah. And there's not a lot of these wonderful labor interests. Yeah, or overtime that kicks in after eight hours working. Right, yeah. like a lot of states yeah. already have that. If you work eight <laughs> hours, then you after the eighth hour, you, overtime kicks in, but not here in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, and then we also have the, all these other social problems that aren't fixed here that are fixed in other states. Homelessness. That are, yeah, homelessness. There are a lot of issues here that could be solved if we did have a liberal Congress, but we don't. And, and I, I guess what I was getting to is that uh, a week before the election, a couple of weeks before when those letters, those increases right. started happening with Obamacare, I just anecdotally, I cannot tell you how many of my very Democratic, very liberal friends on Facebook were so upset about it that it really affected their outlook on the election. I, I certainly, I think it really affected uh, the vote. You know, and, and maybe they didn't vote for Trump, but maybe they just didn't vote at all. And right. a lot of people right. didn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Or they left the the uh, presidential race blank and yeah. voted for all the down ballot people. Yeah, and, and, and a huge amount of them. people. I, I would. That. I don't blame them at all. I don't yeah. blame them at all for that because that is this the 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 problem we're having is we look at this election and we say, hey, you know, do I want to vote for this stuff? More of the same because it doesn't matter who I vote for. The policies are kicking the can down the road of 
progress is still going to happen. Yeah, well, maybe we can explore uh, some of that when we come back. Yeah, i yeah? got three states I'd like to talk about. Let's talk about it. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, we'll be right back with more Grudge right after this. Stay tuned. There are many good reasons to call the cops, but here are 804 reasons not to. I'm Bill Newman, and this is the Civil Liberties Minute. 804. That's the number of people police officers have killed in America since the beginning of this year, about three a day. Two sociologists, Matthew Desmond from Harvard and Andrew Papakristos from Yale, have recently concluded a study about the effect of police shootings. Their study of Milwaukee confirms what the people of Ferguson and Baltimore have been saying. That after reports of police brutality come to light, guess what? People in the communities who have been victimized stop calling 911 for help, or at least they don't call nearly as often. In sum, the effect of the police brutality on the community is the further victimization of the community of color. The recent New York Times piece by the authors of the study mentioned the Milwaukee cases of a man boot stomped on his face whose fingers were snapped and had pens pushed into his ears. And before that, the black man shot in the back. And before that, the man handcuffed and shackled who died in the back of the police wagon. And before that, the mentally ill black man who was suffocated while being handcuffed. And before that, the black man shot in the back during a police raid. And before that, the black man falsely There are, of course, many good cops. But it's long past time that law enforcement stopped covering up and condoning police brutality. The Civil Liberties Minute is made possible by the ACLU because freedom can't protect itself. Welcome back to the Grudge Retort. We're, we're going to focus on a few different states that were key to the Trump victory, or maybe more the Clinton loss, yeah. I think, is the way to put it. Uh, Danny, what were you uh, looking at as far as those few states? Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, sure. My, my, what I was wondering last night was I wanted to look at the states where it was actually close and... Trump won in the states. You know, I wanted to look at states where Trump won and was actually close, where the the number of popular votes were so close that it could have actually swung the electoral vote. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't looking at states where it was a blowout on either side. I wasn't looking at states where, you know, it's an overkill of popular votes like in California. Once you get the electoral votes, what does it matter to get more votes after that point? Yeah, you know, yeah. sort of like it doesn't really change the outcome. Yeah, winning sixty forty right. is not better than seventy thirty because yeah. you get the same electoral exactly. votes. Exactly. So I just wanted to really look at you know which states really did made the difference, and it came down to three. It came down to Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And we were talking about those are typically, or at least in recent history, those have been democratic states. Yes. Right. Okay. They, the firewall is, I think, the, the way firewall of the Democratic firewall. Party. So firewall. Let's let's look at Michigan <laughs> real quick. So Trump won. Trump won in all these three states, but it's important because it was so close. Trump won 47.6 to 47.3 of the popular vote. Wow. In Michigan, which I don't know if it's been called or not, but that's 16 electoral votes. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that right there, it would have basically put the presidency in play. Right. Yep. So that's he, yeah. That's 11,000 people. Yeah. yeah. That's and, what we're and, talking about. And do you know how many people left the presidential race blank? I want to say yes. I heard it. Is it 50,000 people? 85,000 people. In yep. Michigan? In Michigan, yes. 85,000 yep. people left the presidential part blank on yep. the ballot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that yep. that 
tells you everything you need to know about Clinton's loss in Michigan right, right there. Because she didn't pay attention and she didn't care. Yeah. Well, Trump kept it's going back fault. to the state and campaigning right up to the end. The Clinton campaign said they were crazy. Yeah. Oh, like they don't know what they're doing. What are they doing campaigning yeah. in a blue state like that? That's crazy. We, 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 we know what we're doing. We're doing much better. Well, there we it is. There it is right there. there. Okay. So, uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, even someone that doesn't know anything about politics, I, <laughs> I had an idea that Pennsylvania should have gone Democrat. Oh, yeah. They got, well, they have a lot of the union jobs, the steel jobs. Uh, they call it, it's part of the Rust Belt, right. I guess you could call it. Um, it's gone Democratic, I think. Since 1980 something, I, yeah, I, I think I, it was it, 84. It's yeah, been a long like time, yeah. 20 electoral votes, and look at how close this was. It was 48.8 percent Trump got, and Clinton got 47.6 percent. Wow. And we're talking, it's about 80,000 electoral votes. Wow. Or 80,000. Uh, excuse vote, me, 80,000 popular. Yeah, 80,000 people. Yeah. 80,000 votes. Wow. That is I know. not wow. a lot of people. No. no. And then let's take a look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin also another usually Democrat state. Yeah. Trump won 47.9 to Clinton's 46.9. And we're talking, it's about, ooh, this one's maybe a little over 100,000 votes. Amazing. And that is 10 electoral votes right there. <laughs> That's amazing. And wow. altogether, those three states are 42 electoral votes, yep. which I think would have given Clinton the presidency. Well, the, the nightmare scenario for the Clinton campaign was exactly what you're talking about. Those three states going to Trump, and then all of the other wild-card states like Florida, uh, uh, Nevada, you know, all those other states that they were kind of thinking were safely in Clinton's corner. Right. Uh, if he ran the the uh, board with all those wild-card states and then started getting into the blue states that you just described, right. that was their nightmare scenario, and it, it actually came true. So that that's exactly what happened. And it was a lot of, I mean, you know, a lot of people are blaming white working class people for being stupid and, and voting against blaming their own the electorate. Interests. Yay, 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 yay. Let, let's, yeah, yeah, let's blame the electorate again. Let's not actually look in the mirror and see yep. what did we do wrong to cause this this uh, loss that should have been a blowout win. There's actually uh, on the Grudge Retort Facebook page right now. We we. Uh, shared a really good article. You're going to have to go back a couple of days here. But the article goes right into what you just said, Dan. Uh, let me give you the title of the article. It is entitled, The Other Side is Not Dumb. Hmm. And it goes into detail about how uh, what's basically happening in politics today is we're pointing the finger at the other side saying they're dumb, they're stupid, I'm smart. Yeah. And so instead of actually looking at the issues the merits of each issue. This is the. I mean, you, you could equate this to each either side uh, on this issue with how they demonize the other the opponent rather than talk about who, who's going to do what. Like now, you're seeing a lot of this fluffy articles come out talking about how oh well Trump might not actually repeal Obamacare. So they're they're trying <laughs> to play it up in this weird false way and you know just to say well he oh look he might stop the oil pipeline you know which he won't. But right. the yeah. point is is. There's all these articles coming out. I said, well, why didn't you talk about the issues before? Yeah. You know, now we're talking about the issues? Yeah. Yeah. Before it was, oh, Trump's an evil monster who looks like Hitler. Yeah, exactly. They chose the wrong tact. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, well, we, we talked about this at length on The Grudge back yeah. in May, June, July when we were saying – if your campaign is all about uh, don't vote for this yes, guy, that's right. You know, instead right. of vote for me, no, that's not what she was saying. She right. wasn't saying vote for me. She was saying don't vote for him. Right. That's right. When, that's not a winning strategy. Yeah, it, it just isn't. The most know? famous tweet that I read during during that that relates to that subject matter was somebody who said, "Hey, look, give me a reason to vote for Hillary other yeah. than." 
she's not Trump. Yeah. And yeah. there was no reason. There wasn't any. Yeah. And that was the major strategic problem with her campaign is that she banked on the fact that nobody would vote in their in their right mind mm-hmm. would vote for Trump. And she was the only other alternative, you know, really. By right. her own design. Yeah. Right. <laughs> She's oh, the Debbie, default president. Well, Donna Brazil and Debbie Washington Schultz and other people yeah. had yeah. a hand in it, too. Yeah, because, yeah, they, yeah, well, we know where they uh, had their hand. Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, at least for, as I'm Trump, Trump knows. <laughs> oh, no. But <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, it, it's amazing to me. Um, usually... Uh, in past campaigns, when the losing side loses, there's a big kind of reflective period of, oh, we really messed up on this. We didn't do that. We should have done this instead of that. There's none of that right now. It's all blaming the voter, blaming, uh, let's see, I've seen people blame white working class people, mm-hmm. African Americans, Hispanics. Latinos, dude, yeah. Women. It's, yeah, it's us. Non-voters, uh, yes voters, racist no voters, men. racist, misogynist. Yeah, misogynist. There, there was They're a, blaming everybody they can. There was a former Clinton strategist on uh, Chris Hayes' show last night, All In with Chris Hayes. Right. And she... Uh, said, yeah, there were other factors, like the Comey letter kind of did us damage and all that. But the biggest factor uh, that uh, that can't go away and can't be ignored is misogyny and sexism, and that's why she lost. <laughs> and she boiled it down uh, essentially to misogyny and sexism for the reason people couldn't vote for Clinton. She she refused to see any flaws yeah, in, that, I, in the, Clinton's the biggest flaw. The biggest flaw in that is that more that the 50% of all women voted for Trump. Yeah. So if that was true, well, there would be a larger proportion of well, women that she, voted. She, she did address that, and she said that they're so, uh, uh, let's see, they're so ab- abused. Yeah. yeah, they're so abused and so uh, uh, brainwashed Manchow- by the men <laughs> that they just went along with whatever the man did. So what she's saying is it's not misogyny, it's Manchauser's syndrome. <laughs> yes. When, when yeah, she's in, brilliant. We're, but you're in the booth alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, okay. exactly. The, the, but the other thing I want to say, except though. Except Melania wasn't. Okay. Oh, she had Trump right. looking over that's her right. shoulder. Trump was looking, yeah. <laughs> How dare you vote for her? I, I will say, though, that I remember in the height of the 80s when, you know, family values, remember that? <laughs> no. That, remember that? <laughs> they, not, yeah, not the, the Nancy show. Reagan oh, family values. Not the values. show. Okay. No, it was the, it was the conservative line of crap. Yeah. Anyway, it was yeah. anti-gay, anti-divorce, anti-all yeah. that stuff, right? Right. So. When that was going on, I do remember there were a lot of Baptist women that were standing up for principles and rules that would actually make them losers. Mm-hmm. So there is some kind of there is you know some oh, kind sure. of social in the patriarchy that we live in. Absolutely, there is some kind of a social, yeah. a lot of social pressure to act in conformity with the system. Yeah, that's a huge yeah, we, part of the yeah, system. Yeah, everybody who right. voted agrees with you. Yeah, that's right. And and, and I think there was. Absolutely, a number of voters who refused to vote for Clinton based on her her sex. Right. Uh, of course. Of course. But we get I don't that, think yeah. that I don't think it swayed the election uh, one way to the other. I think it was a lot more about her as a candidate than her as a woman. Absolutely. I, I think it's more fruitful to look at the states that she lost so closely that she should have won. Yeah. Because that'll tell you where where they went wrong. Yeah. It, Trump had an eighty twenty campaign. They put they did strategic campaigning in certain parts. 
and yeah. it blocked what Clinton was able to do. That's true. Clinton went for the overkill, going to George Clooney's chicken dinner. <laughs> getting <laughs> you know, that Clooney chicken. Getting that winner, money, winner, chicken right, dinner. Getting that money <laughs> and drumming up more support in California, where really, when you win the electoral votes, how much more? How many more votes do you need? Yeah, it, it, she should have put her time yeah. in other places. It was mm-hmm. the money, and and you know, let's not ignore the fact that she outspent Trump. I don't even know, like two to one, three to one, four to one, ten to one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was she, ridiculous. She the also, money advantage while she, she was campaigning, she was doing a lot of. Uh, Speeches for Wall Street organizations still still bringing in that two hundred twenty five thousand a speech. Dude, yeah. she did like eight million. of them or something like that too. Yeah, it was eighteen million dollars is what she made from those two hundred fifty thousand dollars speeches. Well, I think that's a lot, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, you, you look at her and when she talks about wealth inequality, do you really buy <laughs> no. what she's saying? Like, I'm going to help you guys out because I I feel your pain. Nobody you dresses know? like Nobody a dictator and no. go <laughs> and say anything about wealth inequality. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I just don't think people believed her. That's the bottom line. You As know? a little side note, the term you just used, do we buy it? Yeah. That's a capitalist greed thing <laughs> to say. But what it means is that we the, that we should be voting with our dollars. We should be doing that instead. And yeah. I think down the road, if, if we're going to continue in this greed economy, we should find out everything that supports the things that we don't like, like like the, the entire uh, Trump empire of all his corporations – Wall Street corporations, oil companies, uh, all the corporations that are backing pipelines, all the Clinton Foundation folks. We should stop spending our money on anything that supports those regimes. Yeah. Can I put a crack in the misogyny Go argument for just for a second? Sure. Crack it. Okay. We're talking about race and we're talking about gender, right? Right. Okay. Had the Democratic Party nominated Oprah Winfrey <laughs> instead of Donald Trump, <laughs> excuse me, instead of Hillary Clinton, who do you yes. think would have won? I think Oprah would have yeah. won. Yeah, I would have voted for her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would have, I would have found a way to vote for her twice. Well, the, yeah. well, in my argument is um that that goes against all of the pleas and and begging that progressives had for okay, let's put up Elizabeth Warren. Let's mm-hmm. put up Tulsi Gabbard. Let's mm-hmm. put up anybody but Clinton. It's not that she's a woman. It's no. that we no, don't agree with her. It's that it's Hillary Clinton. Yes. Yep. I yeah. mean and nobody was no progressive I know was like, well, I don't want to vote for Elizabeth Warren because she's a woman. Yeah, you know, no, but nobody thing, was no. saying that. And but yeah. you know there's we've said that for a long time though. All of us in this room would definitely vote for the right woman. Yeah. yeah. I, or well, the right guy. I think it's I'm past, not going to vote yeah. for the wrong guy or the wrong woman. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean the the, yeah. the exit polling and all the data that uh, they can collect after the election shows that all of the white working class voters who went with Obama both in 2008 and 2012, abandoned Hillary Clinton in 2016. They either voted for Trump or they didn't vote at all. And, you know, that tells you something. It tells you that these people are not racist or misogynist. They have an open mind about who their president is. But it comes down to very simple factors of likability, trustability. Look at her numbers. She was not trusted. Obama's campaign was was, uh, hope and change. Yeah. Clinton's yep. campaign was more of the same. More of the same, and, and we and got it, you know, <laughs> and, we, and we lost hope, and we don't have any change. Yeah, yeah. and it was a change election. It was a, an election where the electorate wanted something different because they didn't like the way things were going. Right. And uh, to your point, Danny, I think you were mentioning earlier, Clinton was in a tough spot because she was running as the third term of Obama. Right. He was a popular president. She was trying to parlay that into votes for herself, and I think that was a smart strategy. But there's ways of framing that argument to say, you know what, I am going to make changes in my own vision while continuing the progress we made under Obama. But she didn't do that. I just think she was the wrong candidate at the wrong time. Well, her message was, I'll kick the can down further. Yeah. Down Ah. the road. 
Enough yeah. with the can you know? kicking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a thing, but we... we this isn't a game, man. <laughs> but, you know, at, at, huh. the, at the beginning of the hour, we played the the, uh, the little soundbite of Casey. Was it Casey? Yeah, I think it's Casey. Uh, about her talking about, you know, from her perspective as a... As a uh, uh, independent, you know, basically saying, hey, you know, you guys blew it, you know, and what she was basically saying is, look, the reason why Hillary lost was comes down to her policies, her, the way that she's just going to continue kicking the can down the road that, that, you know, she continuing Obama is, is basically kicking the can down the road. Things are not, as he said, every year when he did the State of the Union report, it wasn't, it was always, oh, yeah, we're going to do better next year. We're going to do better next year. We're going to do better next year. Well, it's not getting better. No. It's getting worse and worse and worse every year. We need to stop kicking the can down the road. Well, and I, you know what? I, I think the electorate is a lot smarter than they're giving uh, them credit for, than the elites are giving them credit for, because they know that things aren't better, even though they're being told they are better. Uh, from the Obama administration uh, on down the Democratic line, the narrative has been for the past few years, oh, we're out of the woods, uh, wages are up, and unemployment is down, and everyone's doing great. And people are looking around going, eh, I don't feel like I'm doing great. So, because it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't. And, and, they're, and they're smart about that. Yeah. They knew that something wasn't right. And well, they, you know, go ahead. When Danny. we heard about it, we when the report came out pretty recently, where Obama was saying that that same thing, we were laughing. Mm-hmm. We were like, no, no, it's <laughs> not true. And this yeah. is the, this is the problem with our quote unquote, and I'm using the giant bold quotes, democracy, is because <laughs> we have you know, pr- pr- pretty much uh, every person that's in Congress, in the House, in the Senate. And almost every single state and and the federal government and every governor and every elected official that is any significant, uh, uh, you know, representative of wherever their region is, pretty much almost all of them can weather the next eight to ten years financially without any problems, regardless of how the income goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the economy goes because they probably own their own house and they can just sit on it and continue to pay because they've got a guaranteed you know income they got you know so in other words there's these people don't have the dire financial and economic emergencies that the rest of the country is going through <laughs> right. so so th- they can weather it so in other words kicking the can down the road for them that's acceptable because yeah. that's not a big deal. Right. Gee, we'll just fix those. You know, it's, it's like the guy with his finger in the dam holding back the water, yeah. you know, the, where the crack is coming through. He's holding that, – that's us. Everybody else in the country, we've got our finger in the dam. If we take the finger out, the water is going to start coming and the dam is going to come down. Yeah. So – they're not that. They're at the top of the dam looking down going, <laughs> look at those people down there. And I wonder lit- if those are voters. And literally laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see them all the time laughing on the golf course and the Learjets having parties. Yeah. There you go. Uh, let's uh, uh, look forward maybe a little bit to the Trump presidency, see what's happened so far, get an update on some cabinet positions and staffing positions that he's filled. And talk about where we're going from days. here. Yeah, and, and look forward, see where yeah. we're going from here. How about yeah. that? I love yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. More. <laughs> Onward. Onward yeah. and downward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's kick the but can down the road forward. a little bit. Let's play kick the can. Let's yeah. kick the can All down right. the road. <laughs> More grudge on the way. Stay tuned. This is 60 Second Civics from the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. The Electoral College is a complicated method for choosing a president.
It was the result of a compromise made at the Philadelphia Convention, and the framers of the Constitution thought it was the best solution for selecting the president. Here's how it works. When people vote for the president, they're actually voting for the electors who are pledged to vote for the candidate who wins most of the people's votes. These electors form what is known as the Electoral College. Each state has a number of electors equal to the number of U.S. senators, two for each state, plus the number of U.S. representatives, which varies according to the state's population. For example, Florida has two senators and 27 representatives. Florida, therefore, has 29 electoral votes. The Electoral College includes 538 electors, 535 for the total number of members in Congress, and three electors who represent Washington, D.C. States with large populations have more electoral votes than states with small populations. A candidate must have 270 of the total 538 electoral votes to become president. There have been three times in our history when the candidate with the most popular votes did not win the election. The popular vote is the number of actual votes cast by the people during a presidential election, rather than the votes cast by the members of the Electoral College. If no candidate gets a majority of votes in the Electoral College, the House of Representatives selects the president by majority vote. Each state is allowed one vote. That's all for today's episode, 60 Second Civics, where civic engagement only takes a minute. Welcome back to the Grudge Retort. We we've spent a little while talking about what is what happened in the campaign in the presidential election. Let's uh, look forward a little bit and, and see where we're going from uh, yeah, here. Where we're going from here? Uh, is there any place for people like us in today's America? Yeah, um, Canada, <laughs> uh, Mexico, uh, Central America, South yeah. America, Thailand. There you go. Yeah, expatriatism. North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, well, more, you know, little more freedom in North yeah. Korea. I guess. There might not. That's actually there's some good yeah. things about that now. Um, uh, c- c- can I uh, go over go. a couple staffing decisions sure. that Trump has made that sure. might concern some people Sweetling. that are open-minded? Um, I think Steve Bannon was the big uh, concerning uh, pick that he had for chief strategist. I think is his official title, but he's like a David Axelrod for Obama or a. Uh, who's that evil genius for George Bush? Um, uh, Rove. They Carl, had a Carl genius? Rove. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you said genius. It threw me off. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> e- evil, yeah. Plenty, yeah. yeah. So this is... This you is, said genius. I'm like, what? This is oh, uh, the role Steve Bannon's going to play. So is this sort of like his BFF that he's given like an elevated role? Yeah. You, right now, is this an official role or is this something that he created for him? Or? I haven't been able to confirm that yeah, he's been it's, picked yet. I so. think it's, an, okay. it's it's not an official role, but it's a role that uh, uh, a lot of presidents make for a strategist or something like this. So chief strategist, he's supposed to have an equal role uh, as uh, the chief of staff, which is Rance Priebus. Right. Uh, but uh, from what I hear, the chief of staff really is the guy running the White House uh, so the fact that Trump kind of put these two on on evil or evil on equal <laughs> footing, Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, it it kind of tells you something about uh, the value he places on Steve Bannon's counsel. Right. Um, the the worry is that Bannon is closely tied to some of the more white nationalist or racist types of 
reporting and journalism out there, uh, namely Breitbart News. Uh, but he it goes beyond that to other oh. things that he's done. Mm-hmm. He's a former Goldman Sachs exec, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, he's worked in in Hollywood, you know, creating kind of right leaning films and things like that, kind of more propaganda type of okay. movies, things like that. Um, he's it, people are really freaked out because he right. he's not a, a covert racist. He's not the kind of guy that behind closed doors says things oh, that you don't want to hear. When he looks both ways, he's in your <laughs> face. <laughs> he's yeah. Mixers, yeah, he's he's in your face, and he's literally steps from the Oval Office at wow. this point. Um, so that's what's really concerning a lot of people. Uh, another thing that is concerning, which I think goes to what we can expect and and what we can plan on the next four years is. Uh, Trump is uh, reportedly asking for top-level security clearance for his three kids uh, who are going to be running his business. So he wants to give them uh, the highest security clearance as far as secrets go uh, that you can give somebody if you're not the president while they're running his multinational corporation. Okay, uh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, so the, so the, he, he he's, he's going to be putting <laughs> it in a blind trust where the kids are running his business for him, which really isn't a blind trust because that's not what a blind trust is. Uh, but well, I'm, not, it, I'm not looking at it. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, exactly. But in addition to that, he wants to give them top level security clearance uh, to you know be informed of of all of America's secrets, and that's a little concerning. Uh, to me. Um, so th- this is the kind <laughs> of, a little bit too bigly. Yeah, that's bigly. Um, so this is going to be kind of the direction we're going in, and okay. I wanted to get your reactions well, on that. I wanted to ask one question real quick about Priebus. Is Priebus a, a establishment person? Is he? Yeah, he's okay. he's the head of the. De- uh, Republican National Committee. Okay, uh, he's from Wisconsin. Uh, him and Paul Ryan Wisconsin. are very close. Okay, so there, there's a little bit of a kind of a, a team of rivals thing going on. Right, uh, where Bannon is much more extreme in his Did views. Did you say team of deplorables? I'm sorry, what'd you uh, say? The rivals. No, no oh, team oh, of no. rivals. Uh, Hillary sorry. Clinton said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, then lost. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so, so yeah. Okay, so I was asking because I was hearing that. Uh, Clint, uh, Trump was going to have two people on either side of him. One was going to be an establishment person. One was going to be someone that was going to shake things up. A firebrand, I think, is what they called them. Yes. Find out that the firebrand is actually someone who's a former Goldman Ch- uh, Sachs person. Yeah. So we just can't get away from yeah, no. the establishment. Happen, yeah. No. And, and tr- in the 60 Minutes interview a couple nights ago, Trump said as much, uh, mm-hmm. where Leslie Stahl challenged him on this draining the swamp of D.C. narrative that he right. tried to introduce. I did not saying, like what I saw from that yeah. interview, but... But go ahead. Yeah, all yeah. of all of the people you're picking are in the swamp mm-hmm. right now. They're right. all lobbyists and stuff. He goes, yeah. well, that's who knows how to run Washington. Right. So I have to pick them. Right. No, he it's like, yeah, what him. happened yeah. to your, you know, changey <sighs> stuff? So, so sad. So, uh, you know, th- that's the direction. Is that where we're going? I, that's where we're going, <laughs> I think. Um, I, I think my biggest worry is um, uh, information and, and the filter that, that is kind of – Living with with the, this information age right now, and I'm I'm really worried about it because you have, um, and I'm not going to equate Clinton's misinformation with Trump's. I mean, I think Trump was just more overt about it, uh, where he would just say something completely false, right, uh, right out in the open. Whereas Clinton was much much more covert, where she would you know try to sneak these these little things in that she would say that were false as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's much more bombastic about uh, the claims he makes, and his team is as well. 
Uh, but what it's caused is a lot of misinformation out there, and that scares the hell out of me. It really yeah. does. What's that first article that pops up when you look? Remember, you were talking about a yeah, Google search. Yeah, the, the big thing is when you look for uh, when you Google uh, popular vote results for 2016, a fake website comes up with fake results that are that are completely lying and saying that Trump won the popular vote. Right now, I'm not. Uh, you know, arguing uh, whatever, but I'm saying factually that's incorrect. Right. right. And that's the number one ranking uh, result uh, when you try to find out who won the popular vote in America this past election. That that worries me. That's problematic. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. It, and it worries me that uh, Trump uh, seems to be kind of walling himself off from the press. Uh, and Eric, you had mentioned a president can only do that so much. I mean, he right. can't completely close himself right. off. No, he can't. Uh, but I think he's putting mechanisms into place to introduce these false stories and false narratives without being challenged by the traditional press. And I think what worries me the most is that the press is declining at the very point in time where we need a really mm -hmm. strong uh, independent press they're gone they're who would, gone who would you go to yeah, yeah. Who, who, well yeah that's you, that's my anybody. problem what, rt you know? news we, we, we <laughs> yeah. did talk about yeah i'd go to rt yeah, news before I mean, some but like, but there is you know democracy now is doing a pretty good yes. job um but the google just came out with a google doc and i i've been looking for it for an hour now because i saw it early this morning but i can't i just forgot to say the link um, but uh, Google came out with a doc saying, you know, here are the ones, here's the media sources that we have found some questionable, potentially misleading articles on. So you should do your research further if you're ever going to share on social media these from these sources. Right. And like Occupy um, Democracy and Occupy was the move, Occupy Movement was on there and some okay. other things too. Um, you know, uh, I don't even know if Fox News was there, but some maybe it should. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of those kind of things. But also in the news is that f apparently Facebook and Google are both coming out saying they've been harangued for a long time about uh, how people are sharing fake news on all the different social media platforms and whatnot, and how they're actually going to try to figure out a way to stop some of that. And the the first thing that came to my mind was, gee, that would be great if we could trust the media again. But on the same by the same token. Who is going to decide what's legit or not? Yeah. And who's going to decide what's free speech and what is news and what is real or fake? It would yeah. be like MSN. It'd be like MSNBC or Time Warner saying that we're going to decide now what's the good news. Yeah. Well, it's like when 1984. Been lying to us all the time. Yeah. Right. Non-stop lies, because we're supposed to have uh, President Clinton, right? That's really worrisome. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We were supposed to have a President Clinton, according to all the major lies. news outlets. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and the so. weapons of mass destruction mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. in Iraq. Yeah. It, it, it goes both ways. The propaganda machine is is madly out there right now. Well, yeah, and I, I think, you know, we talked a lot about the the downfall of all the institutions in America that 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 allowed us to function as a democracy, the government institutions, the press, uh, you know, uh, a free and independent press giving us facts that we, that uh, the government cannot give us. Some, a, a referee, somebody that decides what the facts are and parses that out for us. We don't really have any, any institutions yeah. like that anymore. I'll give you a couple of examples of how the information comes forward where people can give you get the false impression of who has the right authority to make those decisions. For example, uh, most people know that I have experience in a lot with law enforcement. 
And way back when, I learned that the FBI keeps statistics of all crimes committed in the United States, with the exception of police shootings. Right. Okay? So now that we have that down, let me give you an example. If if a college police department, a police department in a college, uh, if something happens on campus that they can – they have the right – or the, the ability to change the classification of crimes. Like, in other words, if somebody breaks into a car, instead of saying uh, um, you know, auto burglary, they can say theft. Mm. So they can downplay the, the classification so that when the statistics go out to the public, when they're doing research as to what's going on in the country, they might not get a lot of auto theft. You see what I'm saying? Because they're redefining it so that they don't upset the parents or sending their kids to these colleges, just to give you an example. Right. But that kind of thing goes on in everywhere everywhere you can imagine. Uh, it's how that information gets out. Like the other example is the labor department. The labor numbers, when they talk about unemployment, they give those numbers out. Wall Street investors and, and the regular people in the United States use those numbers to try to justify certain things. So, for example, the Labor Department numbers on unemployment are completely bogus. And they're not even accurate. They're as far from accurate as you can possibly get because they, they choose who goes on there. What they say is they say, well, we've got a so-and-so uh, unemployment rate, but they don't even count people who stop looking after one year. How do they have those numbers? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So we can, we can go down the road and they say, well – this person worked four months out of the year, so that means they're employed for the entire year. Yeah. Or a person who works part-time works five hours a day, three days a week. They consider that full-time mm -hmm. in some instances. So this is the data that we're supposedly relying on as accurate, and it's not. Yeah. See, those are from government agencies, the FBI and the Labor Department. Right. So that's just two. Imagine the other news sources. Yeah. And, and and that's that's the issue. What? Yeah, it's bogus. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, I think I think all of that caught up to these institutions this time around, and they're paying the price for it with uh, a diminished sense of uh, trust in the in the American people. I mean, they. Mm -hmm. my, my worry is that you know you create a vacuum of trust, especially with the press or journalism. What fills that? Nothing but evil fills that. Right, it's true. That's yeah. like you know bad what? news. Yeah, the, uh, un un true. unless unless journalism comes up with a uh, economic model that works for them in this age of just sharing articles and stuff for free, where everyone basically expects mm -hmm. to get their news without paying for it, they got to come up with some kind of business model that they works. did. It's called clickbait. Yeah, that's exactly and right. It, yeah. And it didn't work. Yeah, and it doesn't work. And unfortunately, but it does get the news out there. Yeah. And sadly, we all buy into that. Yeah. And you see, that's the problem. The problem is, the, what's the biggest problem with America, and it's in every facet of every other problem we can imagine, is at the that whole thing you just said about, well, if it's not economically viable, they're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So we need to get that ma matrix out as quick as we can. Yeah. The the, I, the most concerning thing to me is is how can you debate an issue uh, when you can't settle on a an a, agreed upon set of facts uh, to right. debate from like a baseline of facts right and then you debate the issues from there we can't even uh, agree that global warming is real or not so how right. are we going to debate it's about so not, how to uh, so not real <laughs> well here, here's the thing <laughs> but here's the thing we we can discuss certain things but one thing we can't dis we can't really debate about is whether or not something actually is happening mm -hmm. if we have evidence that something is happening you can't really debate about that you, you can talk all day long about whether or not uh, the temperatures are rising and whatnot you can look at historical data and you can talk about those kind of things but the fact is 
global warming exists, climate change exists. It's a fact. It's not something to really do, be debatable. It's whether or not what the solutions are. That's what we should be focusing on. Absolutely. But I, the, it, with the absence of a trusted information source, the argument now is whether it's real or not, not mm-hmm. how to solve it. That's, right. where, that's where most people are discussing climate change and global warming is, is it a hoax or isn't it? Well, we're also <laughs> and it's kept... like, well, of course it isn't, but we got to fix it. Yeah. And this is like the, this plays into like the bigger issue of we're sort of misinformed by design, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, our jobs as Americans from the establishment or from the corporations for, for whoever's in control, right? You know, the whatever. And uh, you know who they are. And uh, <laughs> The bad guys. So, right, yeah. The Illuminati and all that crap. So yeah. our job as Americans is to consume. It, does us, it doesn't do us any good to be informed. We're mm-hmm. misinformed and dumbed down by design. So now we're trying to push against the wall, but we've been sort of – it's been sort of constricting on us like a boa constrictor, mm. the misinformation and, right. and the confusion and the, and the internal fighting against our, our very same people that are in the same boat as we are. Yeah. But we see the division more than we see the unity right. because yeah. that's what the boa constrictor has been trying to get us to see. Mm. And now we're trying to fight against it, and I hope that we can make some progress. Right, and so when, when you think – and using what you just said and put tying that in with the whole idea of climate change, you mean w- – when we have one side, we're saying, well, well, you know, we've got this horrible problem, do nothing. And we have the other side that says, no, we've got this horrible problem, we need to do everything. What, what is the side effects if we, if we be good stewards of the planet? What's, right. the, what's the bad side effect? Uh, I don't have one. Right. See, that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. So the bad side effect uh, is that we might have a cleaner – we might have cleaner air, cleaner water, or whatever. Gee, if there is no such thing as climate change, wouldn't that still be a good thing? Yeah. Right. So this is the problem thing. we have with a lot of issues. We can't get to that point where we can say, gee, are, more, are, are roads without potholes better than roads with potholes? Right. Mm-hmm. And so getting to there is a matter of economics. Yeah. Does economics really matter? Not really. We need to just do them. We need to do it all. We need to stop thinking of economics as something that's going to be an obstacle and make and figure out a better way of doing economics so that it's no longer an obstacle. Well, yeah. Uh, well, we ma- wanted to sweep everything into the what is it the the what's that budget that it, it's the military or is it defense? Yes. There's yeah. something that has Dan no Dan and caps. I were talking about the other yeah. day. Yeah. But why don't we do that? That's Dan and I yeah. were talking about that. Hey, since the military budget has no caps. None. And they really don't have any restrictions. Let's just put the – starting with the Veterans Administration, instead of having them fight for budgets every year, let's just put the Veterans Administration right under the military budget because, well, that's a cost of war. Yeah. So rehabilitating rehabilitation people, people, taking that, care of them. Yeah. Put that under under the defense budget. And then we can just keep adding things to the defense budget. Yeah. And who cares after that? Yeah. But, but then they wouldn't be able to buy all those toys that they love. They would. No, no they, they would. would. <laughs> no, still That's there's no cap. There's, there's no, no cap. Go for it. Go for it. You get health care. Quantitative easing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's all manufacturing for uh, universal health care and, and the universal basic income. And the go central banks just print money like it's going out of, out of style and we get everything. That's all it. Right. Let's put it onto the military budget. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. baby. Well, I, all I can say is who knows what to expect the next four years. I really don't. Know what to expect. I'm hoping for the best. I'm looking out for the worst, preparing for the worst. We'll so see. you're you digging an underground shelter? <laughs> maybe more of maybe, a hole. <laughs> maybe now we know. That's why the super rich were building these yes. bunkers. Yeah, those super those yeah. luxurious bunkers. And there maybe that moon, that super moon, isn't really just bigger. Maybe they decided to send it down here to and take care of the maybe population. Trump, maybe super Trump dresses moon. like a giant bat and fights crime at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't bank on that, but... 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Grudge Retort. We'll be back uh, later on this week with another episode. Until then, stay Maybe. safe. Yeah, Maybe. If, if we're around. <laughs> have, a, have a great day, everybody.